Hello and welcome to Camp Scary and Squee, a podcast that tests my theory that every horror movie exists on a scale of divine camp to pure terror. I'm your host Damien and each week I'm joined by a guest who brings a horror movie for discussion, dissection and classification on the Camp Scary scale. My fabulous guest this week describes her perfect horror film as having a strong plot, preferably with a twist, beautiful sets and costumes and a thoughtful soundtrack. Welcome, Ellen. Thank you for joining me. Hello. Thanks for having me. I'm so exciting to talk about this today. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, to get us started, a little bit of an icebreaker. What has been haunting you this week? Um, this week, I mean, among many things, uh, impending unemployment. I've got oh. about a month left on my contract and I'm just looking at that job market going, yeah, cool. Good. Bloody COVID. It's ruining everything. Yep. <laughs> feel like... So that's a bit spooky. Yeah. Well, anyone... <laughs> my, um, um, fun fact, my contract ends right before Halloween. So, yeah. So you, you'll be celebrating Halloween extra hard to, <laughs> to distract from that. I mean, yeah. You know, if I, if I get something else, I'll be celebrating Halloween in like the fun way. But yeah, could I mean, be just in. Anyone listening who works in, in publishing, particularly audio publishing? Um, any publishing, really. Any publishing. <laughs> Give Ellen a call. Please. Pretty amazing person. <laughs> Why, thank you. Well, and to give you the honours this week, can you tell us what film you have brought for discussion? I'm so excited. So today we're going to be talking about The Addams Family, the 1991 film, the first one, um, which obviously there was that beautiful sequel as well, The Addams Family Values, but we're just going to be talking about that first one. Yes, and some quick stats. So as you said, released in 1991. Uh, written by Carolyn Thompson, who people would probably know uh, for her work on Edward Scissorhands and Larry Wilson for his work on Beetlejuice. Uh, so a real sort of theme, like you can kind of see where the, the writing oh, has yeah. come from. <laughs> uh, and directed by Barry Sonnenfeld, who, I mean, from my childhood, Men in Black <laughs> and Wild Wild West to... Oh, yeah, Men in Black 1, 2 and 3 to yeah. all of them. Like, and I feel like... I feel like even there, there's a bit of a theme. You can kind of see that, I don't know, just, just the fun yeah. that happens on screen, the kind of the antics. I'm like, yeah, I can, I can see that all together. Absolutely. And the music, which is so important for this one, is by mm-hmm. Mark Shaman, who many would know from Sister Act and the Broadway adaptation of Hairspray, like some real classics uh, that, you know, the music, the music in this mm-hmm. is everything. Yeah, absolutely. It's so fun as well. I think it really adds to, I mean, obviously in any movie it's going to add to the atmosphere, but this one really helps um, create the atmosphere, I think, and uh, create the campness really. Uh, and and so top billing goes to Angelica Houston. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Queen. Raul Yulia, <laughs> Christopher Lloyd, uh, Christina Ricci, Jimmy Workman, and Dana Ivey, who um, is one of those people who, you might not know her, except you will absolutely know her the second Yeah, as soon as you see her, you go, oh, it's, it's her, she's in everything. Like, <laughs> and, and, and it, yeah, she's, she's masterful. Uh, it, the film grossed $191 million on a $30 million budget, which is great. Like, mm-hmm. really good, like, good performance in the box offices, which is Definitely. something great for something that has really got a cult status because you don't always yes. have that, that correlation. That's so true. 
and IMDb. Also, oh, sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to say it was also did really well because they were quite worried about it. Like it had a bit of a troubled production. That's so funny. Like so, so many of the particularly things that fall on the campy end of this scale, mm-hmm. they are, they often have troubled production. And really? Like it's something that has come up a few times. We're like, oh, it was a notoriously troubled production. Or they had like, you know, <laughs> the the production company pulled out and they had to find a new new company to for the distribution. Or like new distribution or, yeah, a new, like, I think even even just getting a director for this one was a bit a bit tricky. Like there was there was lots of stuff going on in the background, which watching it, you wouldn't really know. Like there's a few things where you're like, oh, it was a bit weird, but also it was just a bit of a silly movie, so you don't really think about yeah. it. But, yeah, to, to do so well in the box office when obviously all of the companies that were part of producing it were pretty stressed about it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Everyone loves the Adams family. Oh, it's so cool. <laughs> uh, and before we get stuck into it, IMDb describes this as con artist's plan to fleece an eccentric family using an accomplice who claims to be their long lost uncle. And a bit of a spoiler warning, because if you haven't seen this, stop what you're doing and go and watch the watch Adams it. family. Yeah, come it's on. so good. Uh, but we will be talking about this very, very soon. So in my opinion, horror is a really broad church and it's, it's a, we get introduced to it at lots and lots of different ages. And as children, you kind of see horror in this, you know, you think Scooby-Doo, you think these things that are funny and you see a real cross between horror and comedy. And I'm really interested to know about your relationship with this genre and why you chose the Addams Family. Yeah. I mean, to, to be perfectly honest, I don't really go too hard on the opposite end of the scale, on the, the quite terrifying end of the scale. So my relationship with most sort of horror and spooky movies is I do like the ones that are, you know, either very pretty or quite funny. Um, and particularly with The Addams Family, I think I, I grew up watching the show as well. Like I don't really remember it, but I watched it quite young. And um, I always had quite an affinity with Wednesday um, just because, She's just so funny and, um, you know, my mum always used to refer to me as her little Wednesday because I had sort of long, dark plaits and quite a cranky little face. Uh, <laughs> so That's I was such always a great description, like, a cranky little face. <laughs> um, so I've always just sort of, um, yeah, just always been drawn to the family and just the fact that they kind of, you know, as I got older I realised part of the reason I really liked them is they turn all of those like traditional, um, it's almost like the Brady Bunch turned on its head. You know what I mean? Like they sort of take all of those traditional family um, tropes that you see on TV and in movies and they flip them around. So, you know, Morticia and Gomez actually love each other and like want to jump each other's bones all the time. And, and Wednesday's really feminist and quite aggressive and it's awesome. And so I just, yeah, I just love them as, as a group of characters. Well, it is so funny in that the, the, the kind of, one of the, I, I, we should probably like we can probably start talking about the film. Is that for me? Like I really connected. This film came out in nineteen ninety one. I was a very young child, and yes, I didn't see it for a few years later. I was I was a baby when this yeah. came out. <laughs> uh, yeah, I reckon I, it might have been a few years later that I first saw it as well. Mm. And it's that thing of like, as someone who was a bit of a misfit kid, it really captured so well, and particularly in that brief opening. So I've got these carol singers. And they're, so they're joyous and they're singing this song out front they're of the- They're singing Carol of the Bells, which is sort of a classic, almost like a horror movie classic, yeah. really. Like they, but they're singing it really beautifully and happily and smiling. 
and we pan up to this family who are kind of looking down in disdain as they tip forward the boiling cauldron. Boiling, yeah. <laughs> and it cuts away before it, like, you know, you don't... Yeah, before you find out what happens. Because so it's, it's a kids' movie. Gruesome, like, yeah. <laughs> so it's implied. But it's just this lovely, like, I watch that and I just think, I, as silly as it sounds, I really identify with them in that moment as someone, as this group that are like, no, we don't want to fit in with you. We want to be different. We like embrace our difference. We embrace what makes us different. Yeah. Um, and I guess it's, it's like what they said about their, um, their family creed. Um, what do they say? It's, oh, we, I, we, we gladly feast on those who would subdue us. Yes. I had it written down when they, from that so scene. Fiery. <laughs> but it, it's also, I, I don't know. I feel like it, it's constantly relevant. It's constantly relevant to sort of to say, you know, no, we just, we just want to be ourselves and like what we like. And sure the world's going to come in and tell us that we're weird and we're going to go, yep, we are. <laughs> yeah. And, and it, it acts as this beacon for Every Absolutely. every weird kid in the world just to be like, well, so maybe I can be that weird. Yeah, maybe it's okay that I don't like what everyone else likes, or you know, if <laughs> the scene. And we're sort of jumping ahead, but the scene where they talk about Wednesday's heroes. Yes. You know, and again, like coming back to just my absolute adoration for Wednesday, but um, and and sort of coming back to her being quite a, quite a feminist icon in some ways. That you know, her her idol was a witch who got burned at the stake, whereas all the other kids are like, the president. And it's kind of like, both of them are fine, but that's the point. Both of them are fine. Yeah. I, that that scene is so great as well because the teacher's like, I'm very concerned. And the parents are like, oh, you know, she's very proud. This was her, her like, great, great, great aunt. And, you know, she's very proud of her heritage. And Yeah, exactly. One of the things that we get right from the get-go, so, you know, they have that, that opening scene with the carolers and the second, you know, the, the cauldron sort tips. Of opening to the story. We, well, we shift right into this iconic soundtrack like that. And because the soundtrack is something that's so, so big to you, like that so, film score yeah. is important. This one, I think it, it so perfectly captures not just the family. I, I often feel like Morticia is kind of, is who the soundtrack is for in a lot of ways. I agree. And it, yeah, it's sort of like everyone else kind of rotates around Morticia being the center of um, the character, you mm. know, of, of the, of the film, I think. Which well, is the and, matriarch and, of the family, but I think also she, it, they, they put her forward as this person who is not showy, but always very observant and aware. And, you know, yes. the, the and, thi- and she's, She's dark, but she's also kind. Like she's, yeah. she's kind of got the full spectrum of the family, I think, in, in one character. Yeah. She's, yeah. And I agree. Like the soundtrack, you know, the, um, the clicks, uh, just the, the sort of the melody in that, that iconic theme. Um, yeah, I feel like it kind of reflects Morticia a bit. I, I totally see that. It's um, what happens in the beginning is we get some very quick beats to, to, establish mm-hmm. what's going on and what the story is and so in that sort of it's within like the first five minutes we we have gomez talking to thing about his brother oh, who's thing. been missing for 25 years wednesday's a complete badass like she's shooting <laughs> her brother an apple in her brother's mouth yes <laughs> yeah they do not muck around being no. like you know here's the family here's Quit what you being want. a baby <laughs> yeah <laughs> she's so i know good. what i'm doing <laughs> christina ritchie like 
She's yeah. 10. She's, she's, 10. she's 10 and she's acting circles. Like it, it, this whole film, like really it's, it's her and it's Angelica Houston and they just. Rich, absolutely. Oh, like I get chills. Anytime they're on them. screen, it's just them. Yeah. You know, they're amazing. Yeah. They're just star power. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my, my notes for that opening of, of Morticia lying in the bed, like stunningly beautiful. And I've just got in all caps, everything she is yep. <laughs> like and it's this as she was saying that kind of how much they embrace that that darkness you know she wakes up and he goes unhappy darling and she smiles and says yes <laughs> it's just oh it's so good it's, yeah and i love the way um like i do love the way that they kind of on the nose flip everything on its head but it somehow still works it doesn't come across as too on the nose like it's it's just it's just the fun and it's the silliness of it. And I, I love the way they do that opening because I think they just really understood the audience. They knew what the audience wanted. We wanted to see all of the characters. We wanted to be introduced to here are the things that you know and love. There's Thing who was great. Like his little, every montage with Thing is just brilliant and hilarious. I was reading a really interesting thing about how they had to film all of that. Like that was probably half the production budget, them filming Thing. Well, and so <laughs> something interesting is, so... Uh, if you think through film history, the person who kind of the, the, the father of special effects is a man called Georges Millier, who he, I can't even, I'm trying to think it was so long ago. It was pre world war two. He, um, he did these special effect films and, yeah. you know, it'd be, he, he'd like lay a film over one piece of film over another one where, so someone's head would get pulled off and the head would be like, Talking and they were often silent films. He, he famously did Trip to the Moon, which is okay, yes, um, oh yeah, that iconic poster of the moon with an angry face with a rocket in its with eye. With the rocket in it, yeah. And I look at Thing, and you you see kind of the influences of how Millier kind Almost. of took these like bits of film and, and put them over other bits of film to create special effects, and that yeah, it's kind of carried absolutely. forward to today. And it's kind of yeah, that little echo of um, yeah, just like classic filmmaking i guess yeah it i yeah i feel like it gives it i mean it's obviously it's 1991 so it has some retro elements but it gives it this almost like timeless retro Hmm. it's an effective way of of doing an effect that there there are elements we like oh if it was done today it would look so but it still looks good like i'm not I'm not yeah. sitting there going, oh, that's terrible. It's like, oh, no. Oh, that's CGI, yeah, no. <laughs> and because it, it wasn't CGI, it was a real hand no, that they exactly, kind of. Exactly, yeah. Um, it's one of those things that I just don't think, I mean, to be fair, I haven't seen the animated version that came out last year of The Addams Family, but I'm just, I just wouldn't, I don't feel like I'll get the same character from having an animated hand crawl around because there's nothing um, particularly special about that like they really they really had to go all out for this this i should have looked up his name but the actor who plays thing is credited and because yeah yeah, that that hand is acting like there is so much emotion in that (laughs) Uh, before we move on from that that scene with um in the in the bedroom with morticia and gomez i i Mm. feel like we have to acknowledge that while this is a children's movie they really embraced their kink. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, in a way that I wonder, like, did were there, like, you know, vanilla couples in the world who would watch this with their children and think, hmm, may, maybe we 
maybe we should get some handcuffs and yeah maybe <laughs> i don't know maybe you should try eyeliner i'm not sure you know <laughs> <laughs> try some eyeliner but th- there's that amazing you know last night you were unhinged you're an animal uh what was it you frightened you me, frightened me. Do, do it, it again, again. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> like, so, and, and, and the one there's one later as well where he's like taking her out of a, a torture device. And, um, <laughs> yes, the leather. Her, oh, handcuffs, red hot pokers, and she's like, later. <laughs> it's, it's so good. And you know, I don't know if we could make a movie for like that age group now that would kind of that would I, and because they did it in a very um I wouldn't say like particularly clever way, but they did it in a way that would go over the kids' heads. You know, yeah, like, the kids are just, just like, oh, just, adults are weird. Yeah, adults are just saying funny, dark things. Like, you know, the whole joke is that they're spooky. Yeah. But for adults, you'd be sitting there going, wait, what? <laughs> Block your ears, <laughs> kids. Oh god. <laughs> yeah, but you know, if you if you didn't if you didn't say anything, the kids wouldn't have any idea. But um, yeah, I thought it was I I loved that. Like, and it's right at the beginning, so you're immediately sort of given that dynamic between well and just how passionate they are about each other like you know they're into each other this isn't a a loveless marriage that died years ago unlike tully and his wife margaret (laughs) who we're about to meet um (laughs) it's that i mean i feel like we'll mostly just talk about angelica houston absolutely being incredible so she's cutting the heads off roses and it's yes it's incredible. <laughs> Even that, just that little, like, it's a tiny little throwaway scene almost, and she's sitting there snipping these beautiful heads off these roses and putting the stems back in the in the vase. And I just, yeah, even that, I was just like, God, Well, she yes. looks at it with such admiration <laughs> and then just snip and puts the, very Throws graciously the puts the, the thorny stem in the, in the vase. <laughs> but, but Tully's fighting with the gate because the gate, of course, is alive. That's right. Um, That's right. And I love that these people who engage with the Adams family are just have all accepted the kind of supernatural quirks of this house that they deal with. Yeah. And like they they don't necessarily like it, but they're all just, you know, they don't really question it at the same Mm. time. They're just sort of like, this is just something we deal with with the Adamses. And like, even, I mean, I guess the character who doesn't really want to deal with it is the neighbor with, um, with the, the judge, windows yeah. and the golf balls, <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> but again, he kind of just, you know, he deals with it just because, like, you're a moron and carries on. But also <laughs> this is a sign of some, some like, well-thought-out writing in that they they do a lot in this, but they don't do too much. So that yeah. scene with the judge has a purpose because, you know, the, the judge wants, like, it, it gives him a motivation to rule against the family later. Like, Exactly. And actually they do that with a lot of different things. Like as we'll go, we'll go through the story, but there's quite a few things where at first I was like, God, this is just like fun goofiness. And then by the end I was like, Oh, that actually, yeah, there was that, a payoff. Oh, right. that really tied the whole thing together. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, well, I, I look at the, the writers and their, their other credits and their films that often do that. And there, there's a real mm. skill to going, Oh, we're going to do heaps in this, but nothing's wasted. Yeah, everything has a purpose, and even even though it seems at first that it's quite extra and yeah. uh, just a little, yeah, you know, you're watching it being like, really, <laughs> did we need this? But it's by the end, you're going, oh yeah, no, we we did. We um, Dana Ivy as as Margaret, I feel like it's worth <laughs> saying. One of the things I noticed in her characterization was as they're walking up the driveway, she's got this quite thick accent. She's like, why did I even marry you? <laughs> and then when she walks in, 
I'm here to talk to Mrs. Adams. <laughs> like, and you just, oh, I didn't even pick that up. How? Oh, I, it so stood out to me. I thought, oh, that's, I don't know if it was her, it was the direction, but mm. just like something little she's, that I just went. She's oh. really like, like her character is really that one who, you know, when they're in society, they have a, a, a face that they yeah. show. And then, yeah, obviously in her unhappy marriage, she drops that. <laughs> and, um, I wonder. Did you notice by the end, had she sort of become herself again or was she still? Yeah, I think she'd become herself more by the end. I, look, I, I feel like it, it wasn't something that was carried through the entire film that she yeah, was like changing her accent. Point. But it was just a nice little touch at the start. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm here for the charity option. <laughs> <laughs> really putting on that, yeah, no, like lawyer's wife kind of. Mm. Yeah. But we, so Tully is very much the bumbling and fumbling lawyer. We, we find out that, that the family is his last remaining client. There's a sword fight, which... Yes, the best. ...was fun. Like, it was lovely. <laughs> <laughs> He's kind of like, oh, God, I have to do this every time. <laughs> but he also... I quite enjoyed that he sort of just went into it. Yeah, he, he was, just... He was like, on board. It, it made me laugh because, obviously, they're his last client. He kind of has to do whatever they want. And, of course, his last client is the one that would expect him to have, you know a sword fight in their office before he talks about. Before they talk about old business, business. not new business. Yes. <laughs> this is old business. Old business, not new business. <laughs> uh, oh, God. But, but he's, you can see that he's trying to convince uh, Gomez to, to shift some money to an offshore account in his name, saying it's for tax purposes, but we've sort of established that he's having some money troubles. Yeah, and that he's a little bit dodgy, mm. at least. And he, he sort of, he's, he's trying to work out, where the money is kept and and meanwhile margaret is in uh the grandmother's i is it her like spell is it her bedroom or spell room it's something i, I don't think we ever really find it's a out junk but room. yeah she's she's i mean i'm sure there's many rooms in that house we're in one of grandma's rooms mm. and is that when they're going through the armoire yes uncle knickknacks summer wardrobe <laughs> uncle knickknacks winter wardrobe <laughs> uncle knickknack <laughs> I, I remember Margaret sitting there looking shocked. I'm like, come on, Margaret. Surely you've you seen this all before. <laughs> uh, but again, we, we get this kind of, it's almost a MacGuffin. They, they find the thing for the charity auction, which is this finger trap. And mm-hmm. it's again, something that's not just there for nothing because we'll get to it later. That Absolutely. It, it becomes just this key everything. part in the plot. But it's this beautiful, ornate finger trap that Margaret but of course, immediately Margaret traps immediately. her fingers in. <laughs> <laughs> can't get them out. Were you watching it as the audience just being there? Going, Margaret, no, no, don't. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> it's quite funny. At work, we did like a, a kind of team building day and there was a finger trap that we all got, oh, really? like, you know, those paper oh ones gosh. and they yeah, shared okay. it around <laughs> and immediately everyone got their fingers stuck. <laughs> You see it, you just can't help yourself. And you're just watching okay. the panic on everyone's eyes as the, the thing's continuing, the person at the front's still talking and everyone's just like, oh, shit. Oh, no. <laughs> this is happening. This is happening. I've done it. A whole room of people <laughs> going through the, that same instinct to like, oh, yeah, I just put like, oh, no, I'm trapped. Oh, oh no. It really oh, is no. Trapped. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I suppose, yeah, the, the one in the movie is obviously exquisite, so... Hmm. It would probably be even more enticing. Than it a paper looked one. like it hurt. Yeah, like it kind sharp of like it had teeth. Yeah. 
<laughs> of course it did. It's the Adams family. If it didn't have teeth, you'd be worried. But uh, Tully doesn't get what he wants, which was this <laughs> money, because that's new business. Although I did, I did like in that scene with Tully that um, you kind of you also get to know a bit more about Gomez outside of Morticia, in that mm. he's he's quite trusting. While he is, you know, a little crazy, he's he's very sweet and he. Yeah, you know, he, he trusts Tully and he just kind of doesn't really worry too much about what Tully's doing. He's not suspicious at all. No. And he's kind of naive. Like he's like a, a, as, you know, adult as he is with Morticia, he's he's kind of like a sweet, naive person outside of that. Well, and it goes back to that thing that Morticia seems to be the person who's observant and very much a counterbalance to him. He's very impulsive and celebratory and he kind of, he wants to to see the best new everyone. And, and she's, it's not that she doesn't, but she takes her time. And I think that's been a really important part of, of what drives this plot forward. Absolutely. And there's a few scenes later where that becomes very, um, even, even just key in creating little funny one-liners, but key in the plot as well. We, there are a few things that are, uh, are happening throughout this this period so we know that there's a seance coming and and margaret Mm -hmm. and tully are invited but when tully gets back to his office his assistant's been sent home and the loan shark abigail which do you know what i love i love that the loan shark is kind of an unassuming older woman yes again like the characterization in this and the writing is just it's so good it turns a lot of things on the head and yeah so abigail is yeah she just kind of is very ordinary looking Turns out she's quite terrifying in a con yeah. woman. And she's like, <laughs> and, and we really like, even though it's quite short, you see, you know, meet her, you meet her son, Gordon, mm-hmm. and you very quickly see that they're kind of, they want the big payday so they don't have to be these small time loan sharks anymore and they kind of want to get away from it all. And as Gordon is threatening Tully, Tully sort of notices. The Gordon yeah. looks a lot like a lot like a portrait of Fester that he saw at the house yeah, he earlier just that day. That curly, clearly wig. <laughs> yes, the spectacular hair. Oh wow! <laughs> but imagine going through life having those bags all the time. Oh my Poor Gordon. god! I know. <laughs> some, some intense makeup. Oh yeah. For for who we all know as Doc from Back to the Future. Yeah. <laughs> I did. Yeah, I wondered if. I mean, obviously they. You know, they went hard in just uh, making him into that character, but I did wonder if they sort of went extra hard because he was so well known. Yeah, well, to associate him. With and it was character. that thing. Even watching it this time, I didn't immediately click who it was. I was like, that voice, like that voice, sounds familiar, but I don't recognize him. Yeah. And then, then as soon as I knew, I went, oh, I see it. But as soon as you see it with the nose, and he, sometimes he has those expressions that he does, particularly with his eyes. He's very animated in his face and. Yeah, I was exactly the same after the, probably like because he had the hair and everything in the first scene, I wasn't really paying that close attention. But I think it was once he got rid of the hair and you could more clearly focus on his face, I sort of went, oh, yeah, there's Doc, I see him. Yeah. But <laughs> um, but I also, it was interesting, He he's quite a tall man. So the whole filming um, to be Fester and, and Gordon, he was hunched over mm. for, for the filmings, which I thought that was also clever in a way because again you don't immediately recognize him because you know doc and some of the other characters that he plays he's obviously not hunched over or in a big overcoat or anything that that actually makes a lot of sense because one of the things i thought looking at him was like he just doesn't seem to have the same stature 
Like he still yeah. had this great presence, but it wasn't the same. Yeah, and and he sort of he hobbles around, which is perfect for Fester, but but it was because also he was kind of yeah bent over and kind of literally hobbling around the whole time. <laughs> kind of been a fun part of, of that oh, particular yeah, role, but all, uncomfortable. It, it must have helped him get into character because Fester was you know constantly kind of plagued as part of his character. And yes, it, and it just certainly... awkward. Yeah. What we get next is is the seance, which I really enjoyed. The seance, that's good. I loved that Lurch was live playing the <laughs> organ. Like, <laughs> so as things happened, he's clearly very talented, was just switching Absolutely. between whatever he needed. You know, oh, the tension's building, I'll build the tension. Uh, yep. <laughs> very talented man, Lurch. Man. Absolutely. And I feel like, you know, he's done this before, clearly, but yeah. It's just funny, especially because, you know, Lurch doesn't talk. No. But he's a very talented musician. <laughs> uh, but we, we get gra- Grandmama is, uh, is conducting the seance, calling to Festa. There is a knock. And she, she demands that he knocks again. There is another knock and Thing is out. He's like on his way to the door. He's going to open <laughs> it. This knock. Clearly there's someone there. We follow him, and again, like this great kind of characterization of of this absolutely this hand. Um, he opens the door, and, and there's <laughs> there's Gordon as Uncle Fester as Fester. Um, and and we also get to meet uh, Abigail as Doctor Pinderschloss. That's right. I was going to say, what was her name? She had some amazing doctor name. Yeah, well, and I was like, oh, I wonder if that means something. Schloss means castle, but Pinder didn't really mean anything. So. Maybe it was just something cool. I I couldn't find anything about it, but I was like, if Schloss meant castle, money. I was like, oh, maybe it's like plunder castle, but it it wasn't. Maybe. Unless it like Pinder is like another language again, and I was not like. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna have to look this up because, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Like I feel like you're probably on the right track there, where it means you know to um to rob mm. someone or some kind of uh con con woman basically. <laughs> Uh, we, it, it, uh, one of the things I enjoyed here is Wednesday and, and her mother are, are very similar in that they're observant. And it's almost like Morticia's Wednesday with a lot of experience because she observes and, and holds back. Very while true. Wednesday, who loves the Bermuda Triangle, had a lot of questions. And a lot to say yeah. about it. Yes. It was challenging, <laughs> was challenging uh, Festa and, and, and developing that tension to show that he was going to view her as a problem and that she was suspicious yeah. of him, um, which was really good to see. And I, yeah, I really liked that you also, you, you were sort of, um, you were thinking, oh, is Morticia suspicious? You didn't know. And I, I quite like that even as the audience, you don't really understand Morticia half the time. Yeah. Because there's the scene where, you know, um, Festa's come in and he's unpacking and she's going through his things and sort of, you know, she's like, crowbar and then i know what the next thing it is was cyanide and she goes as if we'd run out <laughs> but the whole time as the audience you're like you know is 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 she suspicious and he's obviously stressing that she's suspicious because he doesn't understand the adamus family that's part of the fun is that he is one of the few characters in the whole movie who's never experienced the adams family before so he's kind of learning along with the the audience or it, probably learning even harder than the audience because the yeah. audience kind of knows the adams family 
Um, and yeah, so her going, you know, as if we'd run out and then everyone kind of relaxes. But as an audience, you're still sitting there being like, mm, but she's so observant. Is she suspicious too? Or is it just Wednesday who's pushing this? Yeah. I don't believe you. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's sort of, it, I would be so interested to sort of rewatch again with that in mind and like watch her more closely because Angelica Houston is such a phenomenal actor as well. Like she, I almost, I almost don't think you could know. I think even yeah. if you rewatched it, I think because I was sort of thinking in both minds and I sort of, I personally settled on the, she, she really wanted him to be festive for Gomez's sake. Yeah. And she sort of re- didn't really have any reason to believe that he wouldn't be at that point. You know, they'd just done the seance. So hmm. him coming in then kind of fits in with everything. And so I think she, she didn't necessarily buy into it straight away, but she wasn't actively suspicious the same way Wednesday was. That's, that's what I settled on. But yeah. You know. I guess like the, the, the way that we sort of move this forward now is that there's, you know, there's some character development thing uh, comes into Festa's bedroom and they hear him <laughs> screaming and they're like, oh, what's so good to have him back? <laughs> <laughs> you sort of get back into, because we've had lots of plot development at this point and now you sort of get back into just like enjoying the characters and yeah. their silliness and their darkness. And yeah, yeah. I, I did like one of the, one of my favourite things about this movie as a whole was that really the whole Festa coming back and, and that plot was almost like a loose excuse just to have fun with the characters yeah. and really explore who they are for an audience who's obviously, who, who loves them. Like, yeah. no, I don't think many people are going to that movie having no idea what the Adams family is. Well, and yeah, it's one of those things that they are really embedded in, certainly in our culture in Australia. Like I, everyone in my family, I have lots of older brothers and sisters and they all have a bit of a relationship with this family. Um, you know, I guess if you go a bit older, maybe it shifts to the Munsters, which... Yeah, well, because the Munsters and the Adams Family TV shows were on at the same time and mm. the Munsters was apparently quite a bit more popular for whatever yeah. reason. Maybe it was just a bit more higher budget or it was just a bit funnier. Well, what I find funny is that the Adams Family had this great kind of resurgence and... and but the Munsters never really Munsters did. Munsters never did. It was almost, I feel like if it happened today, like say the Adams Family, the first resurgence happened today, surely the Munsters would jump straight on it. It would be like a Marvel versus DC kind of situation. <laughs> oh <my> <laughs> <God>. <laughs> the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the, the Adams, the Munsters the Cinematic, Munsters cinematic Universe. universe. <laughs> I would watch it, oh, make yeah. it happen. <laughs> I wonder what Munsters Endgame would be about. <laughs> <laughs> What would the gauntlet be like? Yes, what's the MacGuffin? <laughs> well, Sing could be the gauntlet. He'd be pretty oh, yeah. cool, snapping his fingers. Yeah, love I it. I would fit, actually. Two snaps. Brilliant. I love it. Right. Um, <laughs> we need to, who do we write to? <laughs> Excuse me, Disney. We have ideas. We have so many ideas. <laughs> what, what we get, and I guess it's important because it, again, plays down in the future that, that Gomez the next day wants to take Festa to the vault. So he, Festa's plan right. is to go searching for this vault. And he gets it handed to him on a silver platter takes straight away. Takes straight there. <laughs> but we, we go into this, uh, this room, this little sort of chamber or like kind of an antechamber full of, full of chains that you can pull on. 
and Gomez, <laughs> not even looking, just reaches up, pulls down on one, and they drop onto a slide. And, and you keep that silliness as they, like, go through Oh, the this. slide scene that goes for just a little bit too long. Goes for so long. And at the very end, they come out, and you're like, that slide is, like, a metre long. I was thinking <laughs> that. I think within the first, like, maybe three cuts of it, I was like, this is this is just the same slide with different shots of you yeah, going down it. They've at- made them go down this thing 400 times. <laughs> It's probably a whole day of filming just to get this, like, I mean, to be fair, yeah, it goes for like three solid minutes of them going down the slide. But, yeah, the slide really is maybe two metres long. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. It's it's so good. And when they pop out, it's just like. <laughs> yep, just done. But okay. it, it takes that us happens. through this, you know, there's that, there's the gondola where he sings and plays the music. Amazing. It's getting really like, you know, um. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory vibes was waiting for them to go into like a psychedelic scene in that, but they didn't. No, they, not uh, the they could have. <laughs> they could have. They could have lent harder in there, but that's fine. <laughs> and then Festa, fixing a drink, picks up a bottle and and the discovers the 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 actual vault as this bar turns around. <laughs> he sees it all, and then it turns back while Gomez is kind of hunting through a box for something and attacking something in the box that's going to attack yep. him. Again, uh, that beautiful writing where just there's no scene wasted. There's never no. an opportunity wasted to kind of characterise a little harder or kind of do something a little bit funny but that still adds something that you haven't seen before. Like, you you know, we haven't really seen him attacking something miscellaneous in a box, but it just it makes it so much more interesting than Fester just discovering the vault accidentally. Yeah. Because you've also got that tension of, like, is Gomez going to know that he's just seen the vault? And Well, and all of this is to kind of put doubt in Gomez's mind as well because, like, when he gets to the, the vault and he's like, two to the left, ten to the right, and... And, and Fester, I can't remember what number he says. He goes, eleven, two, ten, eleven, eyes, fingers, toes. <laughs> It's so good. So beautiful. And then, oh, my gosh, even in that scene, oh, everything in that scene is just great. But, you know, the um, the scotch glass or the whiskey glasses that are, like, the size of fish bowls? Yes. That, for whatever reason, just really took – I was just like, this is great. I want those. Oh, They're yeah. Fantastic. Nothing like a whiskey <laughs> out of a fish bowl. <laughs> so, and then – and that's the scene where you start getting, um, yeah, more of that questioning. So there's the, the eyes, fingers, toes thing. And then, you know, they're, they're sitting there, they're reminiscing, they're watching old old family movies, and that's where Gomez really starts going, you really don't remember. Yeah. Iconic things from our childhood. Yeah. You know? And it's, I guess what's quite good about this is you get to see him in that moment kind of paced over, you know, he's like, he's just plastering over every every crack, he just quickly puts some, some plaster over it to, you know, really stay with his fantasy together. that he's... he's his brother is back. And But you can also see it starting yeah. to crumble in the back of his mind. Even the <laughs> what was it? they're watching the video and he's going, you know, um, it was my first and Festa goes cigar? <laughs> he's been, been smoking, smoking since I was five. Mother five. insisted. <laughs> yes, that's it. <laughs> and again, you know, beautiful just little adding to that that family of weirdos. But, but yeah, like he's and it's one of those things that you can kind of understand where Gomez is coming from because, you know, he knows that his brother's been through something, you know, he's been through a big thing in the Bermuda Triangle. So, yeah, he's just, like you said, he's trying to plaster over the cracks going, oh, it's okay. He, he, does, he doesn't remember because of this event mm. and all I have to do is remind him. But it kind of starts building and you can see it sort of falling apart in the back of his head going, 
hang on, hang on. Some things aren't adding up here. Well, and I guess this, this comes to a head through the auction. So they go to the auction uh, for charity. I, I absolutely love this, that Morticia's just bidding against herself. <laughs> like, it's the thing that they donated to it. She's so good. <laughs> but also I think this is like a point of kindness. Like she gave them something yes, and true. her intention was I'm giving it to you so I can buy it back and give you money for this yeah. charity. Um, for widows and orphans, we need more. <laughs> <laughs> we need more. Well, and they said, oh, I remember the, the, the auction, um, they say that they're, they're also raising money for the elderly and deranged, is it, or something like that? And Morticia looks at her at Grandmama and smiles, and Grandmama kind of nods like "thank you" because <laughs> yes. she's elderly and deranged. It is me. <laughs> but yeah, she's just she's bidding on it. Gomez is kissing her hand, and like- oh yeah, we get some more like just gold sort of um, Gomez and Morticia, and you know, there's that scene. It sort of pans away from them to the audience, just watching them, and they're obviously <laughs> she's like, like twenty thousand. Fifty thousand, <laughs> and then they're just kind of making out. You don't really know what they're doing, but the you know the rest of the the crowd at the auction just kind of like, um, what what do we what do we do? How do we? What's going on over there? <laughs> but it's just for a second, and then it kind of gets back into it. But oh gosh, I just remember Morticia. Yeah, and then in the car, Vesta has the finger trap, gets his fingers right. stuck, and he doesn't know how to get them out. And this and is this the is point what... of realization. And mm-hmm. again, Morticia so knowingly is like, just shows him how to do it and doesn't say anything, but we see. It sort of just allows things to happen around her. And she's like, oh, you just do this, remember? And you sort of see Gomez, all, all the plasters coming off. He's going, no, 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 can't, can't compute this. Yeah. <laughs> I had to teach him to eat with his feet as a child. That was. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we, the, the train scene is is beautiful. Yes. Um, it's do you, while this was made after it, you know how people talk about the sparkle motion dance scene in Donnie Darko and how incredible it is to have this like these kids dancing and somehow it like creates all this tension as Donnie is burning down the the <laughs> um the house to reveal that this guy has kitty porn. This, but, I yeah, think, the way they sort of play is that, like, like as iconic that's... as that. Like the, yeah. the family are all sitting there talking about the trains and like it's going through the covered bridge. A good happy thing. Yeah. Like, yes. <laughs> Taking the turn or whatever they say. And, yeah. And, and cutting between them and Gomez, and it's like they're having a breakdown as he plays with trains. <laughs> Which for me, especially, I found it really funny because. Um, like we know generally, you know, train sets are fun and cute, but do you know who was um, quite famously very into trains and loved train sets was Walt Disney. Really? He really loved trains. It's part of the reason that a lot of the theme parks have lots of um, like trains and other um, vehicles throughout them. He really liked sort of motions of transport, but train like loved his train sets, had a little like train set in his backyard, I think. Um, and so for me watching that as well, just being like the base, they're taking like, one of the most iconic, happy, cute things. And it's his, yeah, it's his signal for having quite a bad mental breakdown. (laughs) He's like, he's processing it in his mind. That's where you get, they had to teach him to eat with his feet. And we watch the family huddled on the bed 
you know just like listening, that, listening. Are, they even, are they in the same room yeah they're I all think... no they're all in the same room that like okay, morticia I, has I the two children I... huddled against her as <laughs> yeah. they like you know they watch the, father <laughs> well the melancholy like they're listening oh he's doing this now he, it's going past this station he's using the diesel locomotive and it it's their horror like it's their yeah it's, it's so it's... Well what done. what scares the atoms? Like <laughs> it's model trains. That's what scares it's the model atoms. trains. <laughs> Leisurely activities. But I also I was wondering then, I was sort of like, you know, they're talking about it like he's done this before. And I'm like, maybe, maybe this is how we reacted when Festa first disappeared. Mm. You know, did he come and play with his train set? And they all just sat there going, Oh, Dad's really sad. Festa uses this time to try and break into the vault. And we get a similar to the slide. Like he pulls, he pulls the wrong chain and gets sucked into some kind of sewer. And while the train thing is happening, Morticia sees him go through just a pipe of water, like a clear <laughs> pipe of water that's in that room. He like goes through holding onto the chain and screaming. <laughs> and again, Morticia's just like, okay. <laughs> well, it, when he is spat out at this kind of like refuse exit in the house mm. from the house, She's standing there waiting for him and she uses it as an opportunity to kind of talk to him about the history of the family to help explain why they are the way they are. And that's where we get yeah. their, um, their, their, their family motto. Creed. We gladly yeah. feast on those who subdue us, which is, you know, and she's clearly very proud. She talks about the way that their family died and, and how each death is kind of this, badge of honor for them absolutely and um I, yeah again you sort of get that mystery of morticia you know is she threatening him or is she trying to educate him mm. because, and it, it's hard um we still don't know we I... still don't know because she is generally just a bit threatening that's the whole mm. thing the adams family they're a bit spooky but fest is obviously feeling threatened and a bit scared but i was sort of watching it being like i think she was genuinely just trying to she's quite proud of her family and wants to talk about it with him yeah again because i think she wants you know she wants gomez to be happy so she's sort of like come on festa let's go and like try to jog your memory of the family or, or who knows but yeah the more i think about it the more i'm settling on i think morticia just kind of wanted to help i don't think she was necessarily overly suspicious i i like to think she mm -hmm. was suspicious particularly just around I like to, I feel like she was using this as another way to kind of collect information. Right. And just, a, you know, being observant and never quite giving away yes. her, like where never she's doing, coming from. Never, yeah, yeah, I guess that probably ties into the, you know, she's Wednesday with more experience. She, mm. she doesn't give the game away, but she just constantly collects notes mental notes sort of going okay he does he doesn't know the family creed or he doesn't remember who these who these graves are for mm. when we're when they're walking through it but it's interesting i feel like after that maybe not immediately after that but you you do see more of fester come back he starts mm. he starts after this he starts sort of acting more adams-ish part of that i wonder is for like part of this story and like part of the like oh Gordon, because you know there is a twist at the end, but part of the <laughs> Gordon um you know when at the end he sort of helps them before mm -hmm. we know, 
it's like, is this the first time he's ever felt like he belonged? Because yeah. he is like them. You know, the, his yep. natural state is to be this dark misfit who embraces his weirdness. Fairly awkward, but, like, yeah, embraces it and um, is is naturally, yeah, quite quite morbid and quite, mm. <laughs> uh, like, is it, how soon after it is it where we see him um, Wednesday and Pugsley are having a fight? That was one of the first moments for me. Ah. Like, oh, he really isn't, like, he has that Adam's, yeah. Um, that Adam's nature where he's sort of, you know, haven't you ever slayed anyone before? She goes, he's only a child. That's no excuse. Well, and <laughs> it's it kind of, it, there's this overarching thing to this film that it's a kind of about finding the people who accept you for you, which is what he does. And that scene's coming up because that comes up. The, the next scene is Dr. Pinderschloss is back <laughs> uh, and she's kind of giving Gomez and Morticia some therapy. Yeah, that's right. And um, just kind of obviously she's like gaslighting them kind of thing um, <laughs> yes. to, to get her own way. But, but just like the, this, like the, the dialogue they give her, like all like the, the lines that she has, you know, the feelings in your brain cells, they bubble and collapse. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> She really knows how to talk to the atoms, doesn't she? She, like, she really, really does. Gets what, what will get through to them? And she, you know, she's talking to them about, you know, love and hate. They're the same thing. They're both just strong emotions. And if you hate, you therefore you love. And <laughs> um, and you know, bringing Gomez to this realization that it is Vesta. I yep. hate him because I love him. Yep, absolutely. And it kind of ties into the whole atoms thing is that you take what would normally be a thing and you flip it on its head. Yeah. Yeah. Such clever writing throughout this whole movie. It, it is. It is really <laughs> good writing. Like, it's just. Yeah. And it, it kind of upsets me a lot. It didn't really get that many good reviews. Like, I feel like it's very um, average when it's reviewed. And, like, maybe overall as, as a whole film, sure. But the writing is really quite clever, particularly if you're as invested in the characters as. Do you think part of it is people go into it expecting something? Like, I look at this film and. I think every single person in this film knew what they were there for, knew the tone that they were trying to set, and they yeah. all were therefore able to deliver it. And sometimes I wonder if people go to something like this and they see a very self-aware film, like everyone in the film is self-aware, everyone is, you know, delivering this, and they go, oh, it's yeah. so self-aware, oh, I'm better than that. And it's like, well. Oh, are you though? Like this is enjoyable. I, I feel like that's part of the reason I love it. I love how self-aware it is, and that that absolute perfection when it comes to the delivering the tone from every single actor who, you know, just really understood. I don't know just how just how sort of backwards everything was meant to be, and yeah, yeah, maybe people just weren't ready for that. Uh, so where were we? Uh, so when Sam, yes. That, so while the therapy is happening, Wednesday and Pugsley are rehearsing for their school play. <laughs> and this is where Fester is like, that, what are you doing? Haven't you ever slain anyone? And if, if he's only a child. He says, that's no excuse. And what does he say? You, ha you have to go for a, a major artery, the jug yes. jugular. <laughs> and he, and for, oh, sorry. I was just going to say for me, yeah, that was a moment that clicked. I was like, hang on. Yeah. Like that's not a normal person thing to say. He is an Adams. Well, and he agrees to help them uh, with uh, with their play, and 
help them make it really realistic. Yeah, help them sort of deliver something really great. And I, I think um, one of the really good things with this is that it gives him, us an opportunity to sort of see him make that first real decision about where he belongs and where he wants to be. Yep. And he um, does he want to invest in the family or does he want to invest in stealing their money? Yeah. You know, he start he's first time we see him kind of start to flip the other way. Cause like you said, we've just seen him try to break into the vault by himself. And like sure, he wasn't successful, but this is completely separate from that. He's he's gone he's kind of gone into uncle mode. Yeah. Like proper uncle mode. He like he feels some real affection for them. And mm. it very quickly shifts and he says he's not gonna help them. But then we get to the night of the play. The kids, there are kids on stage singing something. I can't remember what it was, but I love that the family are all just like, oh, this is terrible. <laughs> yeah, they're singing some really cute song. Oh, I can't remember what it was either. I, but It didn't really matter. It was No, like, no, it was, it was very cutesy, very typical, like, kids song for them to be singing. And I did love it that, yeah, you know, all the parents are sitting there smiling and the Adams family are like, God, why are we here? <laughs> when will this end? <laughs> And backstage, Wednesday and Pugsley are getting ready and Festa comes in and he goes, here you go. And they're like, you will help us. And we don't know exactly <laughs> what, what he's helping he with. Yeah, what that means. But, you know, you, it, we get that, okay, he, he's really committed to being the uncle, to being affectionate and, and going in for the family. And then he goes and sits in the audience, which I thought was really cute too. Yeah. And you can see that Gomez is quite thrilled that he's there. Well, and we just get the best play I've ever seen. Like probably my favourite scene in the movie, <laughs> this, to be honest. This, this is so good. So I think it's Shakespearean. They're like fighting on stage. Yeah, I, I probably was should have looked at what it was. Yeah, me too. Uh. Shall we look it up? <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. What matters yeah, it, it is... It seems like a fight from, from like, I don't know, King Lear or something like that. Who yeah. knows? But... but what matters is that when they strike a blow... <laughs> It's realistic. It's realistic. The arm falls off and blood starts spurting out. And it's not just a little bit of blood. It's, it's like a hose. Yeah, the entire audience, just over a period of like three minutes, because they keep fighting. Hmm. They're like, oh, play's not done. No, oh, we've there, got to kill more, each other. There's more cuts and more blood from more there's places. There's a throat at one point, which we all know, like, you know, throats yeah. quite a lot of blood. And, and yeah, very realistic What's by the, the end. You just, <laughs> again, it all comes back. It all comes back around. And you just see the audience just slowly being covered in, and red, obviously it's, yeah, like, it's red paint and it's, I quite liked that it was um, very obviously fake. Yeah, it was like bright. And, yeah. Well, again, it's a children's movie, so like they had to kind yeah, of exactly. take and, the and, edge you know, off a bit. It's them, they're not really bleeding and everyone knows they're not really bleeding. There's no pretend, but it, it just, it just went that little step darker where everyone's slowly being covered in it in the front row. And they're all going, oh, God, oh, my God. And Wednesday's just fully committed, fully yeah. committed character. And- <laughs> like Christina Ritchie, just even in this thing where she's doing like, I'm a kid act like doing a serious play. And so it's like a bit over the top. So good. Like oh, she just kills just- it. Yeah. And yeah, just her, her commitment to the drama, but. But again, she she's perfect. She doesn't overdo the drama. No. She's she's very very serious about her her, her dying in the play. <laughs> and they're so obviously good. they're both very proud of their performance that yeah. they're putting on, and the parents are just thrilled. And <laughs> it, it has to be the best. Like I think it's the best scene of this whole thing because 
it captures everything that we've been talking about. Like this, we don't give a shit what other people think of us. We're just celebrating who we are. And this is the yep. play we're putting on and our family. We're passionate love it. about what we do. And yeah, that's it. The people that, that we care about, it's that whole thing that, you know, um, if what's that saying where it's like the people who uh, matter don't mind and the people who don't mind. matter will mind. Yeah. yeah well, you know, it's the people who thing. matter don't mind and the people who mind don't matter. That's the one, yeah. that one. So it, it kind of, and that really sums up the Adams, I think, because, you know, all, all Wednesday and Pugsley would care about is that mum and dad and Fester thought they did a great job. Yeah. Oh, and, and so good. You know, they, yeah, they just don't care about what the audience thinks. But they're also kind of, I feel like, you know, they're obviously quite a bit younger and they probably, um, as children, don't think so much about what other people think of them anyway. But I feel like they were really on stage being like, everyone's going to appreciate this because it's art. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I appreciated it. If I was yeah. there, I'd be so there. I'd just be like, yes, <laughs> this is great. Killing it. <laughs> so I, the, the, the next thing that happens is we sort of shift to the big party. Um, oh, yes, the farewell ball. Yeah, because Vesta has to go back to the Bermuda Triangle. Yeah, I think I, I can't really remember what excuse she made, but the, yeah, the whole point is that he has to go back for like more therapy or something, you know. Yeah, but and they, they he wanted has to leave. Yeah, they were creating this opportunity. Like, they were trying to create an opportunity to be able to steal the money. Exactly. And this is another one. Like, it's really fun and it's exciting, but there's just like a whole bunch of points that have to hit uh, to get us to, you know what ends up being the kind of low point of. Yeah. And it, it yeah, to get us to that, that real conflict point. Um, and it, in a way, it kind of went a bit slowly for me, this, like this part, because I feel like they, they definitely took the opportunity to bring in a lot of things that they'd been talking about before. Like, you know, the conjoined twins are there and kind of flirting with Fester and Gomez and. Um, and also with Tully. Yes, <laughs> that's right. And then of course there's, you know, cousin it and Margaret, which is just, the best side storyline ever. Oh, and, yeah. <laughs> um, and I was so thrilled to see Cousin It. Like, he's definitely one of my favourites. Um, and but, but I felt, because there were lots of these little side points that all sort of came together in, in one go. It was great, but I was also kind of like, I want the action mm. a little faster. Yeah. But you get that. You get that. Well, I guess the, the things that we get is Wednesday catches Gordon and, and uh, Abigail. Is Abigail? Yeah, yeah. Sh- shaving his head. So, yeah, and, and it was they, one of the things she catches them doing something that is clearly their favorite. Well, and they're it. talking like, about it, you know. Yeah. Um, and she goes, I knew it. She, and she, then she runs and Festa chases after her. Um, Tully, speaking to Flora and Fauna, work that the conjoined twins works out that actually Festa would be the heir to the, the fortune mm-hmm. if, um, as the older brother. And so while the party's going on and they're they're not able to steal the money tully has an idea and he goes and knocks on the judge's door who's at the beginning of the film had golf balls flying through his window you know, it's all and obviously up. hates the adams like he's probably the one in the film that we see who has the most disdain for them most people just accept them that they're mm. a bit weird there i think we hear tully call them like you know he's a moron kind of thing but mm. it's not really hate filled it's just kind of like we put up with them they're a bit weird but whatever but the judge like clearly has anger towards them yeah well tully says i can get rid of them for you and what we get is after the party they realize wednesday's missing they all go out looking 
for her and Festa stays behind to in case she comes back. And That's they right. use that opportunity to lock the gates and lock Basically out the family. Basically do a switch up. Yep, they've, they've totally um, kind of fooled them. Basically, yep. they come back and the gate is locked. And Tully, yeah, gives them all of the, all of the bad news. And then they go to a motel. They do. Well, and then, so <laughs> they go to the most uncomfortable scene. <laughs> the well, Adams before, family in a cheap motel. <laughs> before that, they do go to the judge and the judge sort of rules against them. Yes, and happily. Takes I love that scene. The, the camera's like right under his chin, basically. Like you're almost looking up his nose and he's just there gleefully stamping the thing going, yeah. nope, bye. <laughs> um, and, and so this is the low point. And do you know what? It's quite funny because there's this very long setup to this low point. It, there's mm. a, I'd say there's a long first act and then the second. Uh, it's like quite going, sharp. Going from the low point to the end of the second act and into the final climax all moves very, very quickly. Yeah. Uh, and maybe for me, maybe that's what I meant when, in terms of that that ball scene, it, not necessarily that it went slowly, but that yet there was a lot that had to happen in yeah. that one scene. There were a lot of points that had to hit for us to be able to get to this next act. Yeah. And but, but I don't really know how they could have done it a different way to kind of to introduce all of those facts because the whole point is that it snowballs quite quickly and they use all of the opportunities that are created in that scene, like Wednesday going missing, like they sort of. Mm they jump on opportunities as opposed to it sort of being slowly set up. Yeah. Well, and like Wednesday missing again serves a point because they need to get everyone out of the house so that they can lock them out. Yeah. But that was just an accident. Like they didn't plan for Wednesday to go missing. So yeah, they just um, like Tully and Abigail kind of jump on these like randomly presented opportunities. I think there are some really great standouts in the, the Adams family having to live in a motel for a few days. (laughs) Morticia going to the the job counsellor. That's right. Oh yes. Where did you study? Private tutors, and, and then and your major spells and hexes, and she writes liberal arts. Yes. <laughs> the best recruiter ever. Yeah, but I again like really smart jokes are for the parents and. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, like taking those I, horror elements that that are presented <laughs> in such a comical way here, and that we get to laugh at. And showing how the world interacts with these these things, they just sort of go, "Oh, you're just crazy." Yeah, exactly. We can fit you in a box, basically. Yeah. I also love the Girl Scout interaction when Wednesday and Foxy are selling lemonade, and she's like, "Are they real lemons? I only have real fruit." I only, you know, it has to be organic, real grown. Are they made? And she makes them the deal, you know. Yeah. Okay. Well. I'll buy one glass. And by the way, total scam. I'll buy one glass of your, what, five cent lemonade for, I don't know how much a box of Girl Scout cookies costs, but I'm pretty sure it's more than five cents. But Wednesday has the best line ever. Are they made from real Girl Scouts? Just kills me. And like, delivery. And like, doesn't miss a beat. Yeah. <laughs> like, just stand out. So good. And because that girl, she comes back. She's, she's like, the child villain in um, the sequel. She I'm is. quite sure it's her. I didn't even make they that They got link. the same actress because I think, because she's, she's in, in the play, right? She's like, I'll be the victim all your life. Like that, yes. that line from, from Adam's Family Values, <laughs> which uh, is just, yeah, that, that whole play is fantastic, but that's a different movie. But yeah, you she's, are going she's to have that to come girl. Back and we're going to have to do Adam's Family Values, yes, clearly. next season. Yes. <laughs> well, look. There is like a bit of a side story happening that uh, Gordon and Abigail and Tully can't find the right chain 
you know, there's a point after they've kind of failed a few times, they're eating some lunch and she's like, we'll keep trying after lunch. And, you know, they're, they're you can feeling... see the cracks are starting to form in that little alliance and, and Fest is obviously having some, I, I don't even know if he's having second thoughts at that point. He's but just frustrated. He with just the feels like he's only there because he's getting used. And yeah, he's, yeah. Well, I think he's starting to realize that he yeah. has just been used this whole time and they don't actually care about him. They're both just there for the money. Yeah. And Whereas, Gomez you know, kind of spirals. He's watching Sally, which I vaguely remember that talk show. I don't, uh, not at all. I mean, it, it just to me, I was like, I didn't even realize it was a real talk show. I kind of assumed they'd just gone for like a typical American talk show where you can call in. <laughs> it. It was good. But, you know, Morticia kind of goes, oh. oh, it's when he says, but we'll miss Gilligan. Yeah. And she's like, and everyone- that's it. Like something has to be we done. We need help. Yes. And and she she drives to to the mansion to confront uh, Festa and try and resolve this. Yeah. And they again see the opportunity and they tie her up and they're stretching her on the torture device. <laughs> she, <laughs> She's loving it. She loves. <laughs> and, and and meanwhile, Thing who had I think gone with her like hitches a ride back he's like jumping on the back of cars to that's get, right to get back to Gomez. another great because doesn't thing get a job didn't he he did he, he, um, he went and got a job as a, a delivery man yeah like an office mail delivery yeah <laughs> throwing thing. the passes over oh just just honestly all the thing montage fantastic everything he did i was just like so i went to I, I, that they were probably the scenes that were the most unnecessary in yeah. the whole movie probably you know a little bit longer than they needed to be or whatever but they were like the comic relief in an already quite funny movie um but yeah i love that so yeah we get another great thing montage of him getting back yes yeah he gets back he knocks on the door and he's um trying to he's like his thing as a hand is too exhausted and and frantic and he can't communicate and gomez is like he's trying to sign and gomez (laughs) is like i hate it when you stutter He finally, like, gets it out through Morse code. What is um by tapping on the table that that they've got Morticia and, and Morticia Gomez. danger needs help something like yeah. that. And, yeah, and they're on their way, and and Abigail and Tully and and Gordon are threatening Morticia. You know, they're they're you know they've got her tied up, and now they're talking about hot pokers. And it's when <laughs> Gomez comes in. Like to save her, but also I don't think he's worried. He's actually that worried about her. Like, yeah, or, or like he hasn't fully, he, he either hasn't fully grasped what's going on, but he, but I think, yeah, he kind of walks in and is just like, oh, this is just, this is just normal. Like, what are you guys doing? Having a, having a good little afternoon over here. <laughs> but yes, they, they, they start their, um, their fighting. And we get the sword fight comes back. Yes, is, the sword fight between oh. him and Tully. And Tully's like, taking the opportunity to properly fight back, possibly for the first time. You know, you kind of get the I think sense. so. Yeah. Yeah. Because he, always... he, he actually, like, I think he cuts Gomez at mm. some point. He actually injures him, which obviously before when the relationship was very different. It was, you know, client and, and lawyer. It was, he was just playing along. But, yeah, you, you see a bit of aggression in Tully, probably like the most, um, I don't know, just like spunk that we've seen mm. in Tully this whole time. He actually fights back because he really wants his money. And with that, we get this evolution where Abigail kind of 
voices those things that Tully was that, that sorry not Tully that that Gordon was feeling you know she she's, yes. you know you were she finally cracks and shows her true character to 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 Gordon like we've obviously seen it and the audience have kind of picked up that she's a bit of a psycho and um and obviously very mean and yeah she finally kind of um yeah reveals to Gordon how she truly feels about him and how little he means to her yeah and he he acts hurt um, and but also like he's going to just follow through with the plan. He he acts at first like a wounded puppy, like a dog that's been kicked, but will just come back because mm. that's what he has to do. Um, but yeah, then you get that great little twist, and yeah. we get the 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 book thing. Yeah, he he stops Gomez from pulling the book that lets him into the the vault, and he grabs a different book. Um, which I found funny because they must all know which book does it because they've all been in there. Uh, as in, like, Abigail must know as well. Yeah, because she, she was pulling the chain. Yeah. I don't, I, but haven't they, like, they haven't discovered the vault yet. So they... No, but to get oh, to the chain, before... you go through the bookcase. Yeah, right. Oh, plot holes. Oh, plot holes. Yeah. I was... mm. But maybe, I don't oh, mean, yeah. maybe. Heightened situation. Not... Yeah, that's right. And also, <laughs> I don't know, I just, I really liked this, this little part because, you know, you really get that, that feeling that, Gordon slash Vesta has been thinking like, because he could, he could very easily just go along with Abigail and make everything happen. But he's clearly had that realization, like, no, these people are really my family. They're the ones who completely accepted me for who I was, even when I didn't fit in, even when I didn't know about the family and kept saying the wrong thing, they still accepted me. And he's kind of made this almost split decision to go no, and he's you know that would have been pretty stressful for him because his his mum or like we don't really know their relationship in great detail, but she's just basically really wounded him. Hmm. Well, he he grabs this book that contains a hurricane, which uh, we should. It was established at some point that Tully was it was was sunning himself hour. from a book that had. It was uh, gone with the wind. He opens yeah. it at, at the start. It's I think it's it's either before or after the sword fight. It's right around the same time because. I remember both of those things kind of come back at the same time later. Um, like in this scene that we're talking about. Mm. Yeah. So at the beginning he opens Gone with the Wind and it kind of blows him mm. um, with like a little bit of a light breeze and he's like, oh, lovely, and puts it away. And I just remember watching that scene at first and being like, God, that's funny. How clever. Ha ha. But thinking it would be throwaway. Yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, it comes back later. Pays off like at the end. It's another wind book, but it's a lot bigger. Yeah. And so the... Uh, Morticia and Gomez go into the into the secret stairs, and Vesta opens this book on the hurricane, and you know, essentially, Abigail and Tully get blown out the window, <laughs> land in graves. The graves close, they fall down, and Wednesday and Pugsley have dug these holes, <laughs> just standing there sweetly, like, "Yay!" Because you obviously didn't see them coming to the house or anything. There's there's no explanation for how they got there, but of course they are there and they've done the perfect thing. Well, and also, again, Wednesday with her incredible lines, Pugsley says, are they dead? And she goes, does it matter? <laughs> like, so quiet. She's just a critical thinking queen. She is. <laughs> and it kind of, like, it, it, actually, this is, I guess, the twist. Although... <laughs> Very convenient. The, you mean twist. the coda, like the sort of. Well, no, Festa gets electrocuted. That's right. And realizes that he was Festa all along, and he yep, had so lost he gets his, his memory. memory jog. And yep. she, um, and and Abigail had taken advantage of that and and taken him on as a strong man. Uh, and so they really, it wasn't a case of Gordon finding his place. It was a 
case of Fester case coming of Fester home. finding his way home. Yeah. All along. Which, because um, that's sort of, that all happens in like a little scene at the end. Yeah. So he's electrocuted. And then we realize in this little scene at the end, they kind of, there's a heap of exposition that explains yeah. this. But it's that things have gone back to normal. Um, we, we find out that Margaret is dating Cousin It and she's dressed up for Halloween. That's right. I love that it ended at Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is a Halloween movie. So many that start with Halloween as kind of a setting, but this is all just leading up. Halloween's just something that happens casually at the end, you know. Well, also she asks, because Wednesday doesn't have a costume, and she says, what's your, what's your costume? <laughs> My favourite line of the movie. Do you want to say it? <laughs> She's like, I'm a homicidal maniac. They look just like everybody else. It's so good. <laughs> And from there, like, we, we just get this lovely ending. Like, they're going to wake the dead, which is like a family ritual on Halloween. And, and, and everyone's tramping through the graveyard with shovels and having a great time. Good family bonding night. And everyone, you know, that Fester has found his home. Everyone kind of finds their place. And interestingly, Margaret really finds a place. Yeah, where... I really liked that as well. Because you don't really see, you sort of see her having that conversation and that kind of um, light bulb moment with it at the party. And then you don't see her again until later. But I, I just loved her little storyline that she sort of realised, like, that that's kind of what the Adams do. They help people realise they don't have to fit into the box that they, they were assigned. They can yeah. just be themselves. Well, and at the beginning, yeah, she's very much someone who's like, we need to be like this, we need to act like this, we need to be a part of this. Exactly thing. with the accent thing that you were mentioning yeah. before. You know, she, she puts on this part because that's how she has to be in society. And then gradually throughout the film that's just eroded through, like, sometimes terror, but also realizing that you know, her husband's a bit of a dickhead and she just doesn't, she doesn't, she's unhappy. Yeah. And, and she and meets someone. The person who makes her happy was someone she didn't expect. Absolutely. Who she was scared of. Like she, you know, when she met her, right. she At was first. kind of, oh God, who, who are you? It's like, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> We've made it to the end of this film. It is such a good film. Ah, so beautiful. And I just love the messages that are all the way through it yeah, you, um, you should just be yourself and you should be um, proud of who you are. I love that they use horror as a way of doing that because, like, this is not a scary movie. Uh, no. but It's a spooky movie, but, yeah. yeah. But they engage those things that are traditionally belong in the, the world of horror to, yeah. to kind of put forward a really lovely message. I, I do have to ask, uh, do you have a campus line or moment that you want to... It's hard because obviously, you know, the whole thing. Camp movie. There were there were a few things. Um, at first, I was thinking um, everything about the ball, just in general, was quite camp. And but also, I think I just really liked that scene because all of the costumes were mm. amazing and, and the set was really beautiful. But I think I'd have to go with um, the original duel with the lawyer with the sword fights. But the scene, the like moment where Gomez backflips like twenty times yeah. into his chair. <laughs> Yeah. Out of nowhere, he just like, oh, that happened. And, yeah, that would probably be the campus moment for me. Beautiful. <laughs> Was there a scariest moment? I, like, I don't know if there really is. There's not really, yeah, there's not really, like, there's no jump scares. They're not, they're not trying to frighten the audience. They're, it's more like psychological scare stuff. Um, but I almost think um, scary moments for me were like when, when Wednesday was missing. At mm. first, just because, like you see her being chased by the mother and Gordon, but you don't really find out what happens to her for quite a while. And uh, like you sort of know from the tone, nothing bad will have happened, but you're like, oh, 
so attached to Wednesday. Like, hope she's okay. Hope they don't, because, you know, they catch Morticia later. But mm. at that point, you're like, maybe they've caught Wednesday. Maybe they're, you know, who knows? Yeah. So that was a little bit like, ooh. <laughs> yeah. No, and it, it's like a real moment of, you know, you see these characters. And you're actually a little bit and, frightened and for the characters. Yeah. Because up, up until then, they've been in control yeah. of everything. And the funny part was that they make everyone else around them uncomfortable by yeah. being in control and being themselves. But suddenly, yeah, maybe that's the scariest part is when you're like, oh, the atoms are starting to lose their grip on the situation. Yeah, definitely. Finally, before we wrap up, where does this film land on the camp scary scale for you? Absolutely divine camp. Like, yeah. there's no scariness at all. <laughs> there's nothing scary. It, <laughs> it embraces horror, but it does not use horror to scare us. It is, it is That's right. it complete uses... pure camp. Beautiful. And it, yeah, you're right. Like, it uses all of those elements of horror, but not in a horrifying way. Mm. You know, there's even that scene where Wednesday's walking past Morticia at a table and she's got a knife. Yes. And she goes, what's that for? And Wednesday goes, my brother or something. And she's like, give it here. And hands her like a big yeah, machete instead. Yeah, and then gets her a much bigger <laughs> <laughs> And Wednesday just toddles off. <laughs> I was just like, yep, great. Like it's a big scary weapon in a children's movie that she's handing to a child. And everyone's just like very normal and cool. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so good. I, look, I just adore this movie. <laughs> It's so Thanks. good. I, I want to say thank you for joining me, Ellen. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you for letting me chatter to you about this just ridiculously fun movie for such a long time. Stella just got a fright. There was a, a motorbike was revving and she just went. <gasps> Spook. So St- that was Stella's scariest moment. Do you, do you have anything you want to plug while, while I've got you? Um, I mean, not really. If if anyone would like to come and chatter with me about cute things like the Adams Family and feminism and stuff, my <laughs> Twitter and Insta handles are both um, Ellen Faye, so E-L-E-N-F-A-E. Um, come and tell me, you know, what did you do for Halloween this year? Definitely. And, and I'll put a link to both your Twitter and Instagram in Thank the you. show notes for anyone who wants them. So... Thank you, everyone, for joining me today. You can follow Camp Scary and Squee on Instagram and Twitter by going to at CampScaryPod. If you have questions or suggestions, you can email CampScarySquee at gmail.com. And make sure to rate and review Camp Scary and Squee so other horror fans can find us. Thank you for joining us. And remember, don't scream. They'll hear you.